0: Understanding that our world is made up of opposites underscores the importance of choice. For it is in choice in the moment that we will indeed create an outcome, good or bad, and when we reach a crossroad, it is indeed useful to be guided by something bigger than ourselves. Sheikh Adlala, what should we be guided by?
1: To start with, the world is not made of opposites. It manifests as opposites. Its essence is one, its attributes are all relating to the One and its physical manifestations are all in every way permeated and are living and moving and changing by the One. So the other thing is to be guided by that which is forever reliable. In other words, it is the nature of this reality that it manifests in time and space, but its energizing force is creative, if you like, governing Uh, principle is from beyond time and space so we need to constantly refer to that zone that is steady constant ever reliable uh, and uh, ever secure Mm -hmm. in other words mm? God within us or the soul within us we need to refer to that constantly so that to make sense out of the ever-changing situations so having seen this situation of my needing to choose appropriately So I end up being constantly in a state of equilibrium and homeostasis. I then need to have some reference point. That is the guideline or the guidance I seek. I want a guidance that is not subject to change, is not subject to the relative ups and downs. I am subjected constantly in my senses, in minute to minute, to things which change. And I want to steer a course that gives me that inner constancy. So that in my heart, I'm content and I'm happy. Therefore, I need that reference to a zone that is forever reliable. And that I call the soul. Mm -hmm. And my access to the soul is through my heart. Because the soul dwells in my heart. If my heart is pure, then I have access to it. If it is not, then I'm already colored by my own lenses.
0: The relationship between the heart and the soul, one thinks of the heart as being the seat of emotions such as anger. It is the access to my soul. Soul, if you like,
1: is an abstract energy divine zone that is undefinable. So My heart is definable. My heart gets tarnished. I get suspicious and I get uh, saddened. Sadness is not in my memory. Memory causes sadness. So it is that zone which is between my soul and the higher self and the intellect.
0: How do you use memory?
1: Well, memory relates to the different layers of consciousness. As a baby, I developed the first layer by seeing the mother or seeing movement and motion. And then in time, it becomes more and more a bank on vaults where it contains pictures and meanings to pictures. So that I see something that I liked and immediately it triggers off a desire to attain it. Or the reverse, I have in my mind something that was Disagreeable, and then immediately it triggers the meaning of disagreeability. So my mind constantly is used in order to steer a balance and a reference point existentially. But it in itself is tricky. Ultimately, my mind is the imprisonment of my higher consciousness if the veil is the veil of the higher consciousness. So I must have a good mind and transcend it. I must have a pure heart and refer to the higher element which is is within it. I do not deny the mind, but I will not be constantly subjected to the mind. Now the intellect reflects the higher also, reflects the soul. And therefore it is more rational. It is not subject to my personal emotions. I can refer to you with my intellect, not through my emotions. I have had a different upbringing, different... Exposure, different experiences, different ups and downs, so have you. But where we can meet is through intellect, reasoning, you see. And higher than that through our hearts, which is unconditional love. And seeing in each other, one another.
0: What tarnishes the heart, you use that expression?
1: A point of contentment with the soul, and you have been deflected. So it's very subtle. It is where I trusted somebody, and they have let me down. You see, because I, trust is to do with the soul. It's to do with the higher attribute. So I was about to trust my soul. I was about to reach, but I got deflected by trusting the other fellow too long or too much without having that stepping stone of trusting a person leading me to the trusting zone within me. That is why I get it gets tarnished. You see, it's more than emotional if you like, grief. You see, with the mind you can easily talk about you see, in a sense. One can talk about it, but that one is too subtle.
0: Where do terms like personality and character fit in?
1: Repetitiveness. If I repeat these patterns, then my personality becomes pessimistic, optimistic or whatever, or inward looking, outward looking, all of these things. It is the repetitiveness, the constancy of a certain pattern or a certain style of driving along this map that makes me be uh, given that label. But it has no permanent reality. If I realize the higher potential in me, I can change. I can say my trait has been this, or I, am, I have short feet, but you know, they are of no consequence. You know, I have been brought up with difficulty in the ghettos, but it's of no consequence. My mentality now, or my heart, is above the above. You know It's nothing to do with the ghetto mentality or that I you know, had experienced. So each one of us have that potential, and that is where hope is. That you may have started your, building your layer of consciousness in that domain, but you essentially are the highest consciousness and pure consciousness. So it can eradicate, it can override all of those misfortunes.
0: Grooming oneself to this state, is it as simple as saying, choosing between good and bad, avoiding the one, embracing the other one, being discriminatory?
1: We can't help but choosing. And the choice starts with the lower self, in fact, that I constantly want to bring forth, attract that which I consider desirable, repel that which I consider undesirable. From the beginning, a child does that, grown-up does that we all the time trying to bring forth that which we think at that moment is good for us. Avoid that which we think at that moment is bad for us. If you measure the good and the bad in terms of longevity or durability, then you are nearer to the referencing to the truth and to the guidance within you. In other words, what is ultimately good for me is to have access to a zone that constantly thrills me and gives me personal contentment and happiness. That is really what is good without a bad. Whereas every other good can be bad. What is good for me now can be bad for me tomorrow. What is good for a kid can be for ridiculous when he's grown up, and vice versa. So good and bad are relative. In themselves, there is no such thing as permanent good or permanent ge- bad, except one absolute good. That is the knowledge of the light which permeates all other lights and all other shadows. That is absolute good. So if my following the good leads me to that, then I'm on the right path. If it is not, then it's transient. You know, you just move from one uh, exercise to another, from one project to another. At the end is disappointment.
0: Could we go back to the soul? Could you define the soul? What happens in birth and death? It's a
1: reflector of the divine absolute all-permeating, all-encompassing, eternal light. Mm -hmm. So if you like, it's it's the same, it carries the same essence as the Lord, as the creator. But in a more, if you like, containable, confinable, definable fashion, we don't know its nature Mm -hmm. because within it lies the programs of all nature and nurture. And it is like a battery that is self-charging, that is within me, that's within you, but I refer to it as my soul. But in reality, I am his, because it is the governing principle. So this is, this is where, again, there is a paradox, that it is my soul, and yet it governs over me. If I yield to it, then I am so full of that light. If I don't, then I am as good as a reflector how far that shadow is from it. So it contains within it the perfect patterns of all of the desirable attributes Mm -hmm. within my soul. Mm -hmm. And I, as an ego, manifest its shadows. Mm -hmm. And through turning away from those shadows, I'm turning to my soul. All what I have is the soul.
0: So it is an immortal entity.
1: Sure. And at the point of death, Mm -hmm. what remains is the extent of, if you like, these veils that I have lifted by courtesy of the soul and therefore I lead to the next world according to the condition that I have left this world and so-called resurrection and all that occurs according to how I have gone into the next world so it's like a a, 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 a bulb and a lampshade on it the lampshade is my ego and my veils and my memories and my value systems the more transparent it is the less there is if you like accountability next life or all of the other things that comes with the horrors of, you know, being questioned and all that, you see.
0: If we think of the soul as being ongoing, why are we afraid of death?
1: Because we have not yet got familiar with the ongoingness of the soul. We have become familiar with the transitory nature of this world. So I have been so familiar and accustomed to the causality and the changing world, and I've become clever in manipulating it and everybody else in sight, easy as well. Having neglected being absorbed and guided and led by my soul. If I am led by my soul, I will never be misled, nor would I mislead. And that also brings the question of leadership. If I'm not led by the source of leadership in me, how, what qualification do I have in leading others? I would simply mislead others.
0: Does this relate to the point you've often made, that there is this paradox, you are in this world, and not of this world?
1: Sure. We are in this world in order to see this world which reflects beyond what it, what, beyond what it is, beyond the time and space. Mm-hmm. This world is subject to change, and we are seeking the world from which it emanated, which is not subject to change. One entity, one essence, manifesting in infinite varieties. Varieties are interesting to begin with, to lead me to the meaning behind them. And that meaning leads me to one essence all of the meanings all of the divine attributes converge into an essence the divine attributes of the ever-forgiving the ever-knowing the ever-loving the ever-merciful all of them lead to one essence from which all of these varieties of great attributes which we adore have been sustained emanating from and you know in a way describing So we can't talk about God or Allah, we can talk only about the attributes which we know within ourselves are desirable. Well, most great uh, enlightened beings and prophets and messengers have referred to that. Be ready for that transformation into the next zone of consciousness. Be ready to die in the sense of transcending your senses and your mind and your memory and this contained, confined uh, you know, three-dimensional world in a sense, or four-dimensional world. So it means be willing to go beyond this limitation. It doesn't mean that you renounce it or you, uh, you know, you try in any way to uh, avoid it. You just see its meaning of it, that it alludes to something which is boundless, limitless, and you enter into that zone through deep reflectiveness and abandonment and submission and uh, emptiness. That's what we all love. In fact, holidays and every other attempt we have for leisure is to enter into a zone that is beyond this limiting factor of cause and effect and the up and the down, which we are naturally biologically subjected to. So to die before you die, that means you are at the zone of the ever-living side
0: or consciousness of you. From what you have said, you have defined an individual as an entity that contains infinity in a sense.
1: That's why we said you are in this world but not of this world. You are of an infinite, boundless, if you like, dimension, caught in the prison of this world. But once you realize the qualities of the uh, prison warden, then you also love this world. This world will only be an indication of the world beyond. It's not to be resented. It's simply not to be attached to because you cannot hold it, you cannot fix it except in a camera or in a film. Mm-hmm. So that is why everybody likes to put their best fa- face when they are photographed. Mm-hmm. So a photograph is a lie betraying the truth. It's a lie in that it's no longer, you're no longer that. Mm-hmm. But it betrayed or it flashed a momentary truth, at that moment you stretched your, your mouth to smile or something.
0: For most people they would see others as a mirror of themselves. And this brings us to the relationship between the individual and the collective. What is this relationship?
1: We're all the time looking for that mirroring. Mm. Initially, the parents are mirrors. And if they are cracked, like many parents are, so the children are also cracked. And we are going to produce a horrendous (laughs) future generation. So the immediate mirrors are those of the parents. That's why the reliability of a mother, her availability, reliability and the presence and the concern and the love of a father, and so on and then the society at large. So we need that mirroring until you discover that reflectiveness is within you. You find that there is a constant companion in you that reflects you. It will help also to have a teacher that you every now and then, when you are at a crossroad you refer to, until you find that that teacher is in you. And so you have that constant, perpetual, spontaneous awareness Of awareness and of awareness of awareness so you that means you have access to your highest zone of pure awareness and your awareness of something which is contaminated that it is this noise or this voice or this
0: all of them go together The importance of a role model, is the such a person?
1: Sure, you know, your first role model usually is the mother, mm. in that she is reliable, hopefully. When the, when the baby cries, she's there, you know. And that's why there's a very strong bond between the two, and eventually your role model is he who you know within yourself have access constantly to the reliable zone within themselves. In other words, a person who is enlightened, a person who know that they are functioning in a multifaceted, multi levels of consciousness, but essentially having access to a pure higher consciousness within them. That's why you say he is a reliable teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, one description of a great teacher, Baba Farid, was that we have never seen him different at any time, although every time was different than the time before. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you do respond to events in a constant appropriateness. It is not fixated. It's not, you do not become a sphinx. Now he is a realized person. You, you, know, you are constantly, at all times, instantly, in a way, encompassing the zone of the limited and having access and reflection from the limitless. The two combined.
0: What role should leadership play?
1: Well, you are always misled unless you are led by what we are talking about. Everything else are different layers of being misled. If I am only concerned about the moments of pleasure of what goes in my mouth or what I see, so that is too, too short-lived. As time goes by, I want to have longer, durable, if you like, uh, comfort zone or uh, periods of happiness. So you are only led by that which never misleads you. And that is essentially, if you like, God. Mm. his agent in you, which is your soul, his messenger in you, you know, and the uh, profile of the great messengers and their, their role model. If you live as though you are surrounded by them, then you have constant referencing. What would uh, the Prophet had done had he been here? Ask him and you eventually begin,
0: begin to have the answer from within you. What would be the prescription for a higher order in society today?
1: is for most members of the society to want the highest, the permanent, the eternal, the zone of non-conflict, which emanates from themselves. So it will be self-governing society. And the best amongst them, collectively and so on, will be used as a reference point. Does Islam have a role to play? Well, Islam is the optimum code of conduct to live. If people absorb it and live it, otherwise it becomes yet another... Uh, entity talked about argued about and not lived that is why you have Islam forever applicable usable but Muslims are according to the extent of their absorbing it living it in uh, and being transformed by it so of course it has it is it is the most easy to adopt and follow and, and live by
0: and what are its challenges
1: The challenges altogether are the same as for every individual and every society in that we want to have a zone of reliable journeying in that we have safe conduct uh, and safe uh, arrival and transcending the limitations so that we are ready for the garden. Mm -hmm. The entire business is motivated by the love of the eternal garden and its permanent perfections. So we are practicing it here in this world. So that at the time of departure, when the soul and the self leave the body, you're already soaring into a zone that is already you're prepared for, not something strange or unknown. You're already inwardly, you have experienced the garden. So then you are then in every way taken away from its shadows, which is this world.
0: What is the role of saints, sages and monks in society's life?
1: Again, it's like role models. We love people who have been emancipated, who have been freed from what we normally are imprisoned by or uh, in every way overwhelmed by and depressed by. So I love the person who is more knowledgeable than I, who is more emancipated, more free than I, uh, more contained, more steady, more reliable, more trustworthy. So there are again different frequencies manifesting as human beings which leads me to the original divine frequency of yielding unconditionally, loving passionately, listening without hearing, just knowing that it is the true voice.
0: Sheikh Fadlala, I'd like you to think of the world today. What is the illness of the world around us as we see it and what must we do to avoid falling in the same trap?
1: Illnesses and cures don't change. Illness is deflection and deviation, and the cure is knowledge and acknowledgement and contentment. But what's happened now in this world is that individuals have been so separated from the usual collective mirroring of a family or a community or a society that I think the ills of today can become, in fact, a tremendous impetus to the remedy of tomorrow in that an individual must become responsible. You have no uncle and aunt or a village people to run after you and reprimand you. You have to reprimand yourself so that you maintain a clearer and a much, if you like, uh, immediate referencing to the higher in you. So that you become responsible for yourself by yourself. And you know that if you have deviated from that upward, if you like, vision, you are punishing yourself by your misdeeds, not because of them. God is not there just to punish you and I, we punish ourselves by our stupidity, by not constantly referring to the highest in us. So the society that is fragmented now can equally rise quicker if the individuals within it take that spiritual responsibility upon them.
0: From what you've said, it seems as if the prescription is to rely on the personal individual level. So what is the role of culture and civilization?
1: Both, you know, there has to be self-reliance and there has to be reflectiveness from others in the society. And then this mirroring be- reaches a crescendo. There had been in human history occasions where there had been very, very high spiritual, if you like, effulgences, and the reverse. So there is that self-enhancing situation of frenzy that goes positively and negatively. So if there are enough people in, in society who are more and more tuned to the higher in them, then naturally that society will flourish in a, in a very high spiritual meaning way, and vice versa, so, so they are related. I contain a universe, and the universe outside me is in a way a reflector of me, and I end up where that outer universe enhances my universe. That's why we are in different places with different people, with different professions, with different activities. The like seeks the like, you know, spiritual people end up being closer together, artists closer together, thieves closer together, and so on and so on, politicians (laughs) closer. (laughs) So you end up wanting to reflect, you wanting to constantly reinforce that state of consciousness that you are in. If you are attaining higher and higher that inner bliss, then you are more and more independent of others, more and more self-reliant, and you have less and less self-image, or self-concern, because now you have soul concern. It's a displacement. And the people who come to you or you are with them are of a similar tendency. You know? So it's a natural movement, a Brownian movement. It is not haphazard, mm. but it is seeking you know, its confirmation. We all the time want to be confirmed.
0: And you see this happening? Is there hope?
1: Constantly, more and more. The more there is distortion, the more there can be assertion of the truth. The more there are lies, the more they actually indicate the other side from which they have been in a way causing the shadow of light. They go together. Difficult times can be opportunities to easy times, but ease can only last if it is the ease of the higher, not ease of comfort and luxury and outer. There is no end to that.